Thank you, Pastor Robert. Yeah. Who likes the guy with the hat? He's good. I like him. How's everybody doing? How cool is this? Hey, why don't you give it up for Pastor Robert and the whole team, everyone. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to make things look so smooth. And these guys make it all look smooth, don't they? Worship's beautiful, you arrive, people are smiling, welcome you into the venue, and it's all well done and organized and all the rest of it. That's because there's a lot of people working really hard. And we always want to thank God for those people. And so we really honor you guys and all the people behind the scenes, all the production people, sound people, people who are cleaning the venue, all of those things are so important. And, uh, you know, it doesn't happen without that servant heart sacrificial commitment. So thank you. It's an honor to be here. And we do. We love these guys. Love what you're doing. Love your passion to build the church, to plant churches, to impact the world uh, for the kingdom of the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe that's the greatest cause there is on the planet. And uh, nothing like serving Jesus. And so it's just an absolute privilege to, to be part of it and be in an environment like this full with people uh, enthusiastic with an energy for God. And uh, loved hearing Floyd's message last night. Hey, I mean, I'm like, man, Floyd has like more stories than I have like years in ministry or life or I don't know. I mean, he just oozes stories of God's goodness. And what, a, what an example, what a general in the faith. Can we just again honor Floyd for all that he is and all that he does? And it's just kind of crazy that we both live in the same city, in Cape Town, in South Africa, but we have to come across the world to hang out. What's wrong with that picture? We need to change that. So, uh, yeah, how cool is that? How crazy is that, uh, that we would be from the same city, transplants into that city from other parts of the world and be here together. Uh, as uh, you may have heard, I, uh, I moved from Australia. I was an Australian. Uh, and uh, the right way, the correct way to say Australia is like that. It's with a silent AU. Okay, so it's just Australia. If you can practice that after three, one, two, three, Australia. See, so feels good. Um, so that's where I was born, grew up. Uh, was part of Hillsong Church when it was just like a pretty much a little baby church, two, three years old, and uh, no global influence or anything like that. Just in high school, attended the church because I, I was passionate about God and loved the, the energy of the church and the passion of our senior pastor, Pastor Brian, who you may know. Pastor Brian, in Jesus' name. Uh, he's awesome, and uh, that right then he back then he had a handlebar mustache and a mullet, and we just thought he was cool. So uh, anyway, uh, and just grew up in that environment, passionate about the church, and got involved in the youth ministry. Ended up leading our youth and young adults ministry because uh, I was leading the junior high ministry to start with. Anyone been involved in junior high ministry? You need special prayer, hey. I mean, special prayer for junior high ministry. I love junior high ministry, especially the kid who's just on his razor scooter going around the whole building while the worship or the music or the message, he just, he never stops. Occasionally to go back the other way, but otherwise, I mean, junior high ministry is awesome. Anything can happen and possibly will. Uh, you know, some kid will just get sick of your message, turn around, face the back wall for no reason. Just stare at it. <laughs> Junior high ministry teaches you to understand that God loves you no matter what. <laughs> and a whole lot of other things. But yeah, I was leading junior high ministry. That's how I kind of got started. Uh, love what Floyd said last night about, you know, didn't see, uh, you know, the, the map of Ethiopia in the clouds in the sky. Some people do. That's amazing if you do. I didn't as far as... Ministry, I just believed, I, I, I studied, was at college uh, and uh, university and felt God, heard a preacher say, how long are the best minds going to go to IBM, Coca-Cola, big multinational companies? When will some of the best minds go to, towards building the church? 
And I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, when will they? And then I thought, if they won't go, I'll have a go. <laughs> Amen. And, and so we started, we started an internship uh, back in the early days of our church. And an internship is basically where the church gets free labor. <laughs> we give it spiritual titles, but that's what it is. Anyone doing an internship right now? You will be blessed of God. That you're sowing seeds right now. It's going to come back to you. And uh, and we did. We I, I I started with you know we're going to do the internship program, work part time jobs. And and I remember you know and and served in the church a few days. And I went and saw our youth pastor at the time, Donna Crouch. And I said to her, hey, I'm going to do this internship, we're ready to serve. And at that time, we just had one youth ministry, uh, church was a lot smaller, just kind of all the, the age groups together. And she said, you know, um, I, I'd like you to get involved in the 12 to 16 age group. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, they're like, they are snotty-nosed little punks. Uh, I'd prefer to work with the older age group, 18 to 20s. And, and, and Donna was smart. She realized that a youth group grows up. See, a lot of us, sometimes we, we wonder, we're like, man, we had an awesome youth ministry. What happened to them all? They grew up. <laughs> and so unless you're committed to the next group down and working with those age groups, what happens is you have something phenomenal for a season, but you're not working with the next ones coming through to create another season. And Donna realized that and she said, we need to establish something for the 12 to 16 age group. Could you work with them? And I remember, like I said, thinking, no, I don't want to do this. I went home, I prayed about it. God spoke to me and said, if that's where the need is, that's where I want you to serve. Never heard the you know, audible voice of God. This is where I need you to serve. Uh, this is what you need to do. Other than just an impression in my heart from Donna, that's where the need is. So as I just said, okay, I'm in, spoke to Donna, I'm in, started serving with the 12 to 16 age group. God broke my heart for these young people. We had all kinds of young people coming in uh, because when we started, we were the crazy uh, Pentecostal charismatic church. And there was down the road the kind of more traditional, uh, well-known, stable, conservative, nice church. Now, they're full of good people. But parents tend to send their kids to the nice, good, conservative, we-know-who-they-are church, as opposed to the crazy Pentecostal, who-are-these-weird-people church. <laughs> so we were just getting kids from anywhere we could find them. You know, kids would be walking along the street, we just grab them, throw them in the car, take them to youth group. <laughs> we do whatever we can to try and get some kind of group. So we had all the kids who didn't have anywhere else to go, uh, except for the few from our church, because it was quite small, except for those kids who were parents were in church or the pastor's kids who had to be there. Anyone who knows that, you know, you're a pastor's kid, you're like, you've had to be at everything, and you've got every T-shirt there ever has been for every summer camp and every conference and every, well done, you're still here serving God. I love that. You're amazing. Give them a round of applause because <laughs> church kids are awesome because they see everything and anything and still love Jesus. <laughs> That's just truth. You don't have to laugh. It's just truth. Um, I have my kids in, in our church, and you know I love them, but I'm also aware that they see everything, know everything, and I just want them to love Jesus in the midst of it all. So anyway, with, that's how we began. And so we started building this junior high youth ministry and, and, and just getting kids involved. And we realized that if you want something like that to, uh, to have any kind of ownership, you've got to give the young people opportunity. You know, it's not if you're a youth leader, youth pastor... It's not just about you, it's actually about these young people owning the vision. And so we just decided, let's start a band. You know, get the junior high kids in the band. We thought of other ideas like uh, maybe serving on a Sunday, valet parking by the junior high uh, youth ministry. <laughs> hey, it's offering a service to other people in church and teaching kids to drive at the same time. 
Fortunately, you know, the board eldership didn't go with that program. Can't understand why. I would have loved to have seen how they'd park some cars. But <laughs> we settled with a band. Let's get them involved. So we had, we had junior high kids in the band. And, uh, and, and uh, they were bad. Just being honest with you, they sounded bad. Uh, the good news is they got better, and they're now called Hillsong United. I don't know if anyone's heard of them. <laughs> you think they're amazing. You hear their songs. You listen to all of that. You're like, wow, they're incredible. They didn't start like that. We would pray for them. We would pray for our ears, not just for them. But it's amazing how God can take something. People who would just have a passionate heart for him, who are committed to doing something significant with what's in their hand, what's in your hand right now, honoring God in that regard and seeing God do something extraordinary with it that absolutely blows your mind. It has nothing to do with my message, but just wanted to share that with you. My name's Phil. I have a wife, one wife. Her name's Lucinda, and I met her in church. Thank you, Jesus. I know, you're all spiritual like you pretend to be. You're in worship, hands raised, eyes closed, one eye kind of open. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You're not that spiritual. So I met my wife in church. Her name's Lucinda. Lucinda means shining light. She is. She lights up my life. Oh, all the girls. Oh. Then I have three kids. Um, Abigail is my oldest, and Abigail means father's joy, and she is. Isabella. Isabella means she is beautiful, and she is beautiful and a little bit feisty. Um, <laughs> She's going to change the world. If you meet her, you, she will tell you what part you will play in how she will change the world. <laughs> and then I have Zachariah, my boy. And Zachariah means God remembered. We named him that because God remembered I needed a boy. Amen. <laughs> Got my little man. So they all have names that mean cool things. My name is Philip. It means lover of horses. Why? Why? You know, you meet people, they have great names like Matthew, gift of God. That's me, Matthew. Shut up. We know. <laughs> Philip, lover of horses. I don't even like horses that much. <laughs> Listen, you know what? We have our identity based on so many different things. Labels, names, titles, where we're from, what school we went to, what our parents do, all the different things. Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what your name is. What matters is what God is speaking into your heart. Because God will speak into your heart significant things. And maybe no one has ever spoken that over you, but when God speaks it into your heart, run with that. Run with that. I want to speak today about the power of your confession. Power, about, power of what we're speaking, because the amazing thing is, is that the words we speak actually will shape our future. Uh, when we moved from Sydney, Australia to Cape Town, South Africa, there were words we spoke that caused us to end up going there. It's all about words. Uh, let, let me give you a, another example. Um, this young man next to JD. Joel. Joel, uh, Joel um, just come up here for a moment. Um, this is Joel, everybody. Um, Joel, you are, you are married? Yes, sir. That's my wife right there. Okay. With, with child. With child. Can, could you, if, if you're capable of um, moving forward, she's capable, she can do it. Uh, what's your wife's name? Dana. Dana, would you come forward, please, Dana? Because I just want to—I want to illustrate something here. So uh, there was obviously a time when uh, when you guys were dating. Yes, sir. And at some particular moment, uh, 
Joel, you decided um, this is the girl of my dreams. And so you got down, maybe you got down on one knee, but let's just, you actually did. Got down on one knee, uh, held Dana's hand and, and said words to the, she was holding a wall. We were in Tunisia. And people hold walls in Tunisia. Her eyes were closed. The eyes were closed, the, holding the wall. I, that's, I may have been holding the wall too. Right, okay. There was an earthquake. No. And, 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 and you said words to the effect of, Dana, you are the woman of my dreams. I, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Something like that. Uh, will you marry me? To which Dana replied, Yes. All right, people. <laughs> did you keep holding the wall or did you let go at that point? Ah, oh, she let go of the wall and she held Joel instead. She actually didn't say yes right away. She didn't say yes right away. <laughs> okay, so this wasn't in the script, but, but who wants to go there? What happened? Dana? <laughs> I'm holding a wall. I was still holding the wall. I think I just hugged you. <laughs> I was crying. So Happy tears. Happy, happy tears. So obviously at some point you did say yes. Like I said, no. I said yes. Okay, there we go. All right, well, uh, you can be seated. And I think after that, it's time for a second honeymoon. So, um, see, you, you, you realize, just in a simple example like that, you realize the power of words. That the words uh, that Joel said to Dana, and Dana ultimately, finally, after some time of holding a wall, responded and said yes, has shaped their future. Words have incredible power. We're going to consider that today uh, in uh, Proverbs 18 verse 21. Uh, God's Word, this is kind of the wisdom book of the Bible, and it gives us a little understanding of the power of words, the power of our tongue, the power of how we speak. It says this in Proverbs 18 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Talking about the fact that literally the words you speak can either bring death to, uh, to your future, to your life, even into the hearts and lives of others, or the words you speak can bring life. Bring life into your future, bring life into the, uh, the lives of others, bring life into, uh, I believe, a community, a city, even a nation. The words you speak have incredible power. And I find that what often happens is we forget about how powerful our words are. And we live in a world where we just kind of go through the motions of life and, and, uh, and just accept the conversation that is going on around us. Except the way things are, as we read and hear about and look at on the various media that is around us. And I believe today in this session that God wants to speak to us about what we're speaking about and how we're speaking and challenge us with regard to the power of our words. If you are going to move forward in your life into what God has for you, you need to consider the power of the words you're speaking. This is what John Piper says. Words carry immeasurable significance. The universe was created with a word. Jesus healed and cast out demons with a word. Rulers have risen and fallen by their words. Christians have worshipped through words of song, confession, and preaching. Even our technological age, politics, education, business, and relationships center on words. Words have power. One of the most powerful companies, most influential uh, companies, largest companies now in the word, world today uh, is called Google. 
You probably Googled something today. Google is all about words. Its whole premise is built on words, understanding words, searching words, looking for words, their meaning, their context, and how it affects your life. Words have incredible power. God understands this, and I believe he challenges us in regard to the words and the way that we are speaking. So today, I want to, I want to encourage us with regard to three areas of words that we're speaking, three I can'ts to help you. Because uh, when I moved from Sydney to Cape Town, there were different words, and we're going we're to talk about this. There are different words that I, I needed in my spirit, and there are other words that were not going to be helpful for the future that God has for me. There are words that you need in your spirit, words that you need to speak, and other words that are going to be unhelpful for your future. And you have to decide whether you will let go of some words, change what you're speaking in your confession, and speak some different words. So here's the first one, the first I can, three I cans to help us move forward uh, in, in the areas of life, ministry, calling that God has for us. And I know there's so many different aspects of that for people here in this room. Number one, I can speak courage even when I feel afraid. I can speak courage even when I feel afraid. You know what? There's a lot of times, in fact, I think most times when God speaks to you about doing something in life and you'll probably be a little bit afraid. What happens though is that often when we are afraid, we think, I mustn't be hearing from God. Because if I was hearing from God, I'd feel really good. Because in worship, I feel really good. And it's a good moment and I know God's there. And when I feel afraid, maybe God's not there. That's a lie. That's a lie. All right. I can speak courage even when I feel afraid. Fear is something that comes to all of us. It's something that is often felt when you are about to step into the new thing, the next thing that God is taking you into. So fear actually isn't a bad thing. It's just what you do with that fear, how you handle that fear, whether you live in that fear and you speak according to that fear, or whether you have the, uh, the, the, uh, the ability, the strength inside of you to say, I'm going to speak with courage even when I feel afraid. When we moved, uh, when we were moving from Australia to South Africa, it was interesting the different words that we would hear from different people. In fact, my wife had to uh, stop going out into the foyer of church because of well-meaning Christians who were not speaking words that were going to help her future. Literally, people would come up to Lucinda or to myself and they would say things like, you know what, I know, I know you're from Australia, I know you're living in Sydney, and I know you're thinking you're planning to move to South Africa. Have you realized what you're going to encounter there? Do you realize there's crime? There's, there's crime there. There's crime in South I Googled it. <laughs> there's crime in South Africa. I, I would say to them, you know, I would be different. I would just say to them, uh, yep, well, there's crime there. That's fine. Uh, uh, I'm from a nation founded on criminals. Um, <laughs> that's all my ancestors. I'm just going to get reacquainted with a few more of my people. Okay? <laughs> so thank you very much. Let's move on from this. Because, you know, my English ancestors, I mean, there are awesome people already in Australia, but my kind of uh, skin color came from England where they sold a loaf of, where they stole a loaf of bread and then put them on a boat and sent them to Australia. Now, I kind of think that was a dumb decision because if you've ever been to England, it's a small little island with gray clouds and rain all the time and they sent them to Australia, which has beaches and beautiful crystal clear uh, skies and water and it's amazing but you only had to steal a loaf of bread. They'll send you there. Someone made a dumb decision in that regard. 
Anyway, they're my people. That's what I'm all about. So I'm like, no worries, no problem. But the truth is, for some, you can have words that you're speaking, that that have been spoken over you, that are only going to feel the fear rather than feel the courage. Make a decision. I'm going to speak courage even when I feel afraid. I want you to have a look at at an example of this with me in 1 Samuel 14, uh, verse 6. And it speaks of Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was the son of the king, King Saul. He's a a warrior, uh, and he is traveling with his armor-bearer, who is his friend, who is also uh, a warrior, and, uh, you know, is in in the deal with him. And so it's just the two of them. And they come across... Uh, what is referred to as their enemy. And Jonathan kind of gets a little bit excited that maybe God could do something great in that moment. It's a little unusual. It's not kind of what maybe uh, the armor bearer was expecting to hear. But Jonathan gets this kind of, hey, God could be with us. And this is what he says in 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by a few. Now, you think when someone comes up on a platform like this, or you maybe think about your pastor or leader or people, and you think they they just get up and they speak with such confidence, they probably have no fear whatsoever. That's not true. Every pastor, every leader, anyone who will be up on this platform talking about what they are doing or have accomplished or talking about what they're desiring to see happen has moments of fear. Maybe Jonathan was speaking out loud about an idea, but just kind of sussing out what his armor bearer would say. So he's like, you know what? We could take them. God's with us. He doesn't need a big army. He can do it. And then he's looking at his armor bearer to see what's this guy going to say. Look at how the armor bearer responds, verse 7. He says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. I want you to think about the power of the words of courage of his armor bearer. Because I wonder whether Jonathan was kind of throwing it out there and then easily his armor bearer could have said, no, don't worry about it, Jonathan. There's more of them than there is of us. I'm hungry. Let's go home and have lunch. But instead, the armor bearer says, go, I'm with you. Do all that's in your heart. And Jonathan goes, really? Okay. See, you you think that sometimes you've got leaders who've got it all together, they've got it all sorted, they know what they're doing, it's all going to happen, and they're just like, come on, we can do this. They may be saying it, but they're really afraid when they say it. And what they're wanting to hear is a few others who say, come on, go for it, we're with you, we can do this, God's on our side, do what's in your heart, heart and soul, come on, we can do this. I think what happens sometimes is someone speaks with radical faith about what's possible, about what could happen, about what God could do. And a whole lot of others say, you know what? He's crazy. You really think that could? I don't know. I mean, you look at them, you look at us, you look at the position of where they are, you look at the position of where we are. It's not really a good way for a battle to take place. You're going to kind of lose from where we are strategically. It doesn't work. Numerically, we're outnumbered. And anyway, we're hungry. We were just going out. This was just going to be a nice little prayer session, Jonathan. We're just going to pray. We're going to watch the sunrise. And then we're going to go back. We're going to take a couple of pictures, put it on Instagram. Hashtag sunrise. Hashtag God's good. And now you want to fight the enemy. What's wrong with you, Jonathan? We get too many people who speak into the fear rather than speaking with courage. 
Come on, I believe there's a generation. I believe there's people here who are going to change their confession and no longer just speak with fear, but start to speak with some courage in their hearts about what God can do. Because, hey, just like Jonathan said, God can do it, and he doesn't need a big army to do it just because he's God. And if he speaks into your heart, you may be surprised at what he can do in and through you as you change your confession. Speak with courage. It's amazing the power of that courage to impact the lives of others around you. Here's a statement I believe to be true. Don't let fear dictate your confession. Don't let fear dictate your confession. I, uh, it is true, living in South Africa, there are certain uh, uncertainties that can make you afraid, make people fearful. But I believe the church should be a voice that is speaking courage into the conversation of fear and saying, hey, we don't have to allow this to be what rules our thinking, our conversation, even our way of living. We can live differently because we know that God is with us. There is something the church can do to speak differently, and we should. It's our responsibility to speak with courage even when there's fear. In, in, the, in the United States of America right now, we would all agree that there is probably more fear conversation than there has ever been. And we can either live according to that, and we can either talk and speak into that and allow that to be the conversation, well, we can get in our hearts that God has great things in store for the United States of America. And we don't have to allow the fear to dictate and drive the conversation. But come on, we can let some courage rise up. And we can speak about the good things that God is doing and desires to do in the United States of America. I want to encourage you to speak that. Hey, come on. Yeah, let's speak that. Let's speak with that kind of courage. But it's going to be a challenge because it's not like everybody else is speaking like that. You have to make a decision. And here's the question. What words do you need to speak differently? What conversations need to change? Because otherwise we end up with a chorus of negative, cynical voices. We destabilize our society with negativity and fear. We add to the division. We add to racial tension because all we are doing is speaking fear into the situation around us. We, can, we in this room, man, if enough people in this room start speaking with courage instead of being dictated to by fear, just that conversation can change what's going on. Just that conversation can change what people start to believe and ultimately start to see. So that's the first one. I can speak with courage even when I feel afraid. Number two, I can speak with hope even when things seem hopeless. I can speak with hope even when things seem hopeless. I love uh, the, the, uh, the imagery, the poetry of the Old Testament. And God would often... Uh, give a, a picture to uh, help uh, us to understand the point he was trying to make. And so in Ezekiel, we see God speak to Ezekiel, uh, you know, and when we say, hey, he's a prophet, well, he was, but really he was just a normal guy uh, who just listened to God. That's what a prophet is, Okay. Because we give people titles and then they seem, it seems like they're better than us or God somehow speaks to them more than he speaks to you. Not true. Uh, he wasn't a prophet back in the day. He was possibly Zeke. That's how his friends knew him. And hey, Zeke, how you doing? You know, I just saw something weird from God, but I think it's real. Cool, Zeke. Yeah, let's go have a Starbucks. You know, see, we try and make these things bigger than they are, but they're just real people who God's speaking to. And so God speaking to Ezekiel gives him this picture, gives him this image of a valley of dry bones. Gives him this image, this picture. I don't know if we've got a, a picture of something like that. Uh, it's, you've probably seen that if you've ever driven to Las Vegas. It's something. Um, <laughs> just a little maybe, not so many bones. Um, but you get, see, and, and he gives this picture to Ezekiel, and he says, Ezekiel, you see this. This is a valley. There is death there. There is no life whatsoever. It's a dry place. It's a dead place. And then 
God speaks to our friend Zeke, and this is what he says to him in verse 4. He says, Then he said to me, Prophesy, which means speak, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Prophesy literally means I'm speaking toward the future. Okay, that's just what it is. Okay, it's just I'm choosing to speak toward what the future is that I believe God is, is seeing and I'm going to speak towards that future. That's what prophecy is. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Whoa. What is God saying? Thank you. Little whoa, whoa. back and forth. It's an echo. It's amazing. God speaks to Ezekiel and says, where you see hopelessness, because that's what that picture is. And some of us right now, there's situations we're looking out on and it looks pretty hopeless. It, it, it could be something, a mission field, a place God's called us to. You know what? It could be people in our world. It could be family members. It could be a friend. It could be looking out on the university that God's called you in your heart to reach and it looks dry and it looks dead right now. But God is focusing you on that place and saying now it's time to speak hope and life into what everyone else sees as dead and dying. Will you make the choice in the way you're speaking that you're going to speak hope over that hopeless situation? Because just like Ezekiel, you can see something that everyone else said was dead start to come to life. Come on, I believe that. I believe God can use His church to raise up what others saw was dead. God has called us in South Africa. Uh, we were looking at where are we going to plant churches. And, and, and you know what? There are nice parts of South Africa and there are tougher areas. And God spoke into my heart and said, you need to go to the dead, dry places, the places that are ruined. And just like Pastor Robert was sharing, you need to be about rebuilding what has been broken down. And so we started uh, some in some townships. And, 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 and it's the kind of thing where they say church planning, well, it's not financially viable to do that and all the rest of it. Well, if God speaks to you about it, God can provide the finances for it. You just have the courage to step out and speak hope where everyone else says it's hopeless. And then we went downtown Johannesburg, which people will say is one of the most dangerous cities in the world. I don't know. We just know God called us to be there. And we're right downtown in a theatre and we are seeing hundreds hundreds of students, hundreds of young people there every week giving their life to Jesus. We believe God's called us to rebuild the city. What others said was hopeless. We're speaking hope into that environment. We're going to speak some hope into that environment. And it's amazing how when you start to speak that hope, how it's contagious. Others look and say it's hopeless. Others look and say, it can't be done. Others look and say, well, why would you go there? Why don't you go there? That's easier. Well, the God hasn't called us to the easier place. Now, God calls people to all kinds of places, and none of it, in a sense, is easy. But what happened in our heart is God spoke to us about the city of Johannesburg and being in there. They call it the city of gold because it was built on the largest uh, gold kind of mined area in the world. It's the largest inland city in the world, 9 million people. We, we, we were like, okay, the gold isn't in the ground, the gold's in the people. God's called us to reach and pull the gold out of the people who feel hopeless and overwhelmed and overcome by life. We can speak hope into that hopelessness. And it's a challenge and it's tough and it's not easy, but it's rewarding and amazing to see what God does when you start to speak hope into hopeless situations. Just like God spoke to Ezekiel, I believe God speaks to you and I and reminds us that his breath on our words brings things to life. His breath on our words. The words of hope are like a breath of life. Now, I, I want us to consider uh, an, uh, just another way to look at this with regard to uh, the hopelessness and, and speaking hope. Uh, I, can I have my ladder now? Uh, we're going we're gonna to change this up a bit. And we're just going to talk about the fact that in society, in Western society today in particular, 
And some of you, uh, you know, going out onto the mission field. Uh, many of you are here. You're based in the United States of America. And I'm sure you would agree that there are a lot of people who would not feel comfortable coming to church. Thank you, guys. High fives. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, just come here for a moment, guys. Just come back here. Come back. Um, are you guys, just come stand up here. Are, are you guys married or single or you're married? Okay. Uh, okay. Just move aside. Um, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. What's your name? Isai. Isai. How old are you? 23. 23. Man of God. Good looking. Serving faithfully. Bringing a ladder up on the platform. Ladies, I do not know what you're waiting for. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. There you go. She's trying to help a brother out. So, here's the deal. We live in a world that a lot of people, particularly the Western world, feel like they could actually never come into a church environment. Maybe because uh, they were in church growing up and they messed up and they feel real guilt about that. Uh, they look at their own life and they think it's pretty hopeless. And they wonder if God would ever love them or include them or invite them in. Sadly, often the image and expression of the church is a church that would not be welcoming. And so many people, I believe, have a sense of hopelessness in their hearts and wonder if Jesus, the, the church, which is a representative of Jesus, would bring any hope to them. We see an example of this uh, in uh, Luke 19, in Z where Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is the tax collector. And I think it's going to come up on the screen any moment now. So it says this, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. In fact, what we need is we need a Zacchaeus right now. Uh, Joel, you can... Actually, I'm going to get JD. Uh, he can come up and help me out. All right. Uh, he's probably a little taller than uh, Zacchaeus was. But nonetheless, okay, Zacchaeus, okay, is a wealthy guy. Okay, he's wealthy. He's a uh, tax collector, which means he's gained his wealth from other people. Uh, at their expense. They don't like him. He flaunts his wealth, drives around town in his Bentley, his G-Wagon, <laughs> which is usually reserved for African dictators, Russian mafia, Premier League football players. <laughs> he's cruising around town in all these different cars. Uh, he's loving life. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's showing off a display of his wealth, and everyone knows when they see it, where he got it from. They got, he got it from them. Took their wealth, make himself look good. People don't like him. He hears about Jesus. Hears about Jesus and thinks, I, I want to I see what this guy's all about. But because he's a little guy, it says that he climbs a tree. So uh, we don't have a tree. Thought it'd be difficult to bring one in from the garden. They may not appreciate it here at Skyline Church. Don't have to go too high, but just, yeah, just let's not have an injury here on the platform. Uh, so he, here we are. We've got our ladder here. It does look a little... Yeah, okay, it's all right. <laughs> courage, not fear. Courage. Speak with courage. Speak with courage. On the platform, on, on, on the tree, he climbs up. And he looks over to see where Jesus is. Heard about Jesus. May have everything outwardly, but in his heart there is obviously some sense of hopelessness. Some sense of, could I be included into what this Jesus is all about? When Jesus sees him in verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. 
I must stay at your house today. Come on down. High five. Yeah. Hugs. Love you, man. And this is the thing. All the people, I want you to catch this. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. (sighs) What a bad Jesus. I can't believe Jesus would go to his house. Jesus mustn't be on social media because I've seen what he posts on Instagram. It's not good. Here's the thing. Unfortunately, the church is often known for speaking judgment before it speaks hope. My prayer is that before we speak judgment over a hopeless world, and hopeless individuals who know, by the way, that life's pretty hopeless, even though they're trying to show that it's not by their outward display of what they have or what they're doing. In their heart, there's this sense of, is there more? And hopelessness, what are we going to be? What what speech are we going to bring? What confession are we going to bring to them? Is it going to be one of judgment like everybody else at the time when Jesus was around? Or are we going to be ones who respond like, like Jesus did and bring hope into the heart of those who feel hopeless. Come on. I believe it's time for the church to rise up and be that. You can be seated. Thank you, JD. But I, I hear this. I, I believe this is a big thing. And this is something that all of us have to understand is that often what, what occurs is that people feel judged before they've even come through the doors. Let's speak hope into the heart of people and be able to have the conversation because we know what happens after Jesus has the conversation with, uh, with, with Zacchaeus. His life is transformed. He finds salvation. He gives a whole lot of his wealth away. But it didn't happen because Jesus judged him. It happened because Jesus put some hope in his heart, loved him, and said, hey, let, let's have the conversation. Let, 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 come and talk. Confession, the power of your confession. Are we going to continue to be seen as the church that speaks judgment over a messed up world? Or are we going to be the kind of church, the kind of people who speak hope in order to open the hearts of men and women so that we can have a conversation that ultimately leads and points them to Jesus? I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of person and I want to build that kind of church. And I believe together we can be that. Anyone agree with that? Come on, we can be that together and bring that hope into the hearts and lives of people. Okay, final, final thought here. Here we go with this. I can speak faith even when I don't see it yet. I can speak faith even when I don't see it yet. There are a whole lot of things in my life that I haven't seen yet that I'm trusting God for. There are, I have no doubt, things in your life that you haven't seen yet that you're trusting God for. My question is, are you going to speak faith even when you haven't seen it? We're obviously going to have a worship time at the end of this, and I believe that for some of us as we gather and as we worship, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to stir that faith in our heart. And to begin to speak that over our situation. Some of you are going to be speaking it over your, your college or uh, that you're called to reach. Some of you are going to speak it over nations. Some of you are going to be speaking over family, over cities. I haven't seen it yet, but I have faith in my heart. And I'm going to speak with faith. Here's the thing. In Matthew 8 verse 5, Jesus sees an example of this that blows his mind. It's a Roman centurion, and a Roman centurion is a, a soldier in the Roman army who is an officer. He has men under him. This is not a man who has grown up according to the Jewish tradition of faith in God. He has none of that. He's grown up in a completely different secular way of living, but he has an understanding of who Jesus is. And so in Matthew 8 verse 5, we see this Roman officer, this centurion come to Jesus because one of his uh, workers, his servants is sick. Verse 8, uh, sorry, verse 5 of Matthew 8, it says, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, 
dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Jesus was prepared to go where he was and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus is blown away. You know what? He's blown away by a Roman officer, one who hasn't grown up in a tradition of faith in God. And Jesus says, this is the guy. Can I encourage you? You may not have been to Bible college. You may not even have grown up in a church home. You may have just given your life to Jesus. But the truth is, you can speak with faith if you trust God. You don't have to have certain pre-qualifications to make you someone who speaks in faith. You just have to have the capacity in your heart to trust Jesus and have the courage to start to speak it out in faith. And you may be blown away by what God does through you. Come on, that's what he did. That's what happened with the Roman centurion. And there's young people here, and I know God stirred my heart when I was in my teenage years, and he called me to something great, and I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't going to allow what I was speaking to be dictated to by the world around me. And maybe I didn't have a Bible college degree. Maybe I didn't know everything about God's Word, but I started speaking over my high school. I started praying over my high school. I'd get up early and pray for my high school. And you know what? When I was at my high school, I, I, I never really saw a massive breakthrough. Saw a few friends come to know Jesus. But I would get up every morning, literally go downstairs in the little basement we had, and I'd pray for my school. And, and I'd invite uh, uh, some friends to, to, to a little Christian group we had at the school and uh, where my kind of, you know, hippie Jesus badge that said, Jesus saves at school, wear that and kind of get mocked by teachers saying things like, does Moses invest if Jesus saves? I'm like, I, I, I didn't even get the humor. I think it was an economics professor who sh- suggested that was funny. Um, I, was, I was at school and I was praying. And I was speaking faith over something that wasn't there yet. And I'd invite my friends and a couple of them gave their life to Jesus, but we never had this big blowout group. But you know what? A number of years later, and I was now leading a, a youth ministry involved with what we were doing with, with Hillsong Church, some guys come up to me and they said, hey, you went to our high school. And I'm like, how do you know that? And they're like, because we saw a picture of you. And it was funny. I'm like, thank you. And they said, uh, do you know what's going on in our high school? And I said, not, not really. And they said, well, there's been a move of God. This is like, this is not a Christian school. This is a state high school. They said, what's happened is students started praying, inviting students. God started moving. We got a Christian lunchtime group that had to move into the gymnasium because well over 100, maybe 200 students in a school of about 1,000, that's like 10, 20% are coming every uh, once a week, every week at lunchtime to just have a prayer meeting because God's moving in our school. I'm like, Wow. And then God spoke to me and said, hey, I'm answering your prayers. You didn't see it when you were there, but I heard the prayers. I saw the faith, and now it's happening. All of those moments build something in you for your future. When we moved to to South Africa, and I was looking at where we could have church, there's a convention center downtown and there's a 600-seat auditorium and I thought, wow, how awesome would it be to have church in this venue? It's a beautiful venue and it was downtown so it was easy for people to get to from all across Cape Town and could reach out to, 
you know, we got a lot of people living on the streets as well, so it was going to be a mixed bag. But I just thought this is a, a great place to launch church. And I remember getting, you know, getting that in my spirit. And then I talked to, a, to an, an older pastor and, uh, you know, no disrespect to him or what he's doing, but as I talked to him about what I was considering, he said to me, well, that's quite expensive. That's quite expensive. Do you, do you think you can afford that? And, and, and it made me start to think, oh, man, maybe we can't afford it. Maybe we can't afford to do that. Maybe, maybe I'm, like, thinking too big. I don't know. Maybe. And then I'm thinking, well, I'll meet with a businessman because they're big thinkers. And so I met and had breakfast with a businessman and explained to him what we were thinking about doing. And he said to me, well, what are you trying to prove? What are you trying to prove? And I'm thinking, honestly, I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just trying to find a place that's going to work for us to have church for our city. And I'm glad I listened to another voice. You're thinking I'm talking about the voice of the Holy Spirit, but I'm talking about the voice of my wife. Amen. Come on, guys. We know this is true. Happy wife, happy life. Write that in your notes. And my wife said, what are you listening to them anyway? And I said, I I don't know, honey. She said, why don't you at least go down and have an appointment and talk to the people at the convention center? Talk to them about what your plan is. And I just said, yes, dear. That's a very good thing to say when you're married. Just practice it. And, and I went down to the convention center and I met with this girl there. And, and I, I'm beginning to explain everything about who we are and what we want to do and how we want to hire it every week. And that's different from conferences or conventions that are usually once off. And she said, no, 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 it's cool. She said, I, I, I know who you are. She said, because my brother went to London and he went to Hillsong Church in London. At the time, we only had Hillsong Church in Sydney or in London or in Kiev in the Ukraine. And, and she said, and my brother went to Hillsong London and she goes, and, and God touched his heart and he got on fire for God. And she said, I'm a Christian and I'm so thankful for what God did in my brother's life in church in London. I believe God gave me this job to get you to have church right here. Amen. God does miracles when you speak in faith. And then she says, and I'm going to make sure you get it for the cheapest possible price. God takes care of all the details. And so I want to encourage you. There are times where you haven't seen it yet, but don't stop speaking in faith. Don't stop speaking in faith. We had that convention center, and it worked really well. We couldn't get it every week. And then we're trusting God for a permanent facility, and God ended up providing after knocking on like door after door after door after going back to these guys time and time again. We ended up moving into what was previously the largest nightclub in our city. We have it seat now. We we we've uh, fitted it out so it seats fifteen hundred people. We have five services in there every Sunday, and just last year we were able to buy the building. We bought the club, amen. We bought the club and we turned it into church. In fact, the first Sunday I was in there, I said to the 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 church, I said, "Anyone been here before?" <laughs> A few hands went up. In fact, one guy comes up to me a couple of weeks later and he's like, yeah, uh, I, I used to come here and God's changed my life. But, but when I was here, Pastor, see that corner over there? I got stabbed over there. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> We're in church now. But I want to encourage you. There are people here and, 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 and God is speaking something into your spirit. And you may not have seen it yet. If we can have the worship team come up, you may not have seen it yet. In the natural, physical realm, but God is speaking to you to keep speaking in faith. God, I can see this. 
I can see this happening in my city, in my life, in the, the nation that I'm called to. God, I can see it. Three confessions, three I can'ts, that if you and I would make the commitment that we are going to speak according to these, I believe it is going to influence, impact, and change the future of our world. We're going to speak into our future in the most positive, Holy Spirit-inspired way. I can speak with courage even when I'm afraid. I can speak hope even when it seems hopeless. And I can speak with faith even when I haven't seen it yet. Amen. Come on, would you stand with me? These guys are going to lead us in worship. And obviously there's some time here right now for the Holy Spirit to do some work in our hearts. And there are some here, and you even, you even came in today with some news that was kind of hopeless. Maybe you got some news in the last week or last 24 hours. And the situation seemed hopeless. But I believe today the Holy Spirit is pouring hope into your heart. So just as we worship, if God's speaking to you in one of those areas, not being overwhelmed by fear, having courage to speak, speaking hope, maybe just faith rising in your heart as we worship, feel free to come out of your seat, come stand down here. And just allow the Holy Spirit of God to really speak into your situation.